The Tigers drop a very winnable game in Detroit against the Red Sox. You are locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Tigers drop a game, as I said in the cold open, very winnable. Very, very winnable game. Should have won it. Straight up. Should have won that game. We should be talking about a Tigers victory. We should be talking about how the team's over 500 after starting off one and two the first series of the year. Should should be celebrating right now. Um, but the problems that we knew were going to be present are present. And we have a couple of other issues and, and areas that we're struggling in that we maybe didn't expect to struggle in so far this season so we're gonna go over uh let you we should just start with Tyler Alexander because what a dog what a dog um that was a phenomenal performance phenomenal outing by Tyler Alexander this loss is certainly not on him in the slightest this was a very impressive outing by Tyler uh Todd the painter as they call him in the clubhouse and and he has on his uh on his what players weekend jersey so he gets the start, and, and it sounds like he's only going to be in the rotation until Michael Pineda is ready to, and fully stretched out and ready to go again. But because of visa issues and getting signed, you know, a week or probably not a week, it was probably a few games into spring training. Spring training was already short as is, just didn't have enough time to get fully stretched out into, uh, you know, what, what he's used to and comfortable in. So he's in the minors. And Todd is up here uh, up here as the fifth starter. We've had a ton of conversations about Tyler Alexander. A ton. I have voiced my opinion a plethora of times about him and his role. Everybody's got an opinion on him. Regardless of any of that, he was absolutely fantastic on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, produced, what, eight whiffs? Yeah. Eight whiffs, caused eight swings and misses, had 11 called strikes. That's a 19 total called strikes plus whiffs. Uh, And and his percentage on that is 26%. So what that tells you is that one over one of every four pitch pitches, goodness, one out of every four pitches that he threw was either a called strike or a swing and a miss. That's, That's solid and... Even more so, the cutter specifically is what wowed people, right? That was the the big, that, that was the big thing. His cutter was filthy, and if that's a pitch that he worked on in the off season, and and a pitch that he can get more and more confident in, I mean, when you look at the pitch totals, right? He, he threw seventy three pitches, fifteen of them were the cutter, thirty four of them were the sinker, seventeen were the changeup. Then he had four as the slider and three as the four seam. But I, I would like to see the cutter be thrown more after today. I mean, why wouldn't you, <laughs> right? 
unbelievable three of the how many of the whiffs i keep losing my spot i'm sorry three of the eight whiffs on the game were all off the cutter three were on the sinker two were on the changeup. um but the called strikes whiff percentage right we talked about how that was 26 percent for the his entire performance it was 40 percent on the cutter so he threw a cutter 15 times 40 percent of those was either a swinging strike or a called strike. That is a very high number and is very, very impressive. Means it's a really effective pitch that was fooling people, whether it was fooling them into not swinging or fooling them into swinging and missing. It was a really effective pitch, and that I, that's why I want him to throw it more. The CSW percentage, we'll just call it from for the rest of the show, CSW called strikes, whiffs, percentage. For the changeup, was only 12% on 17 times thrown, uh, was called for a strike zero times, and was whiffed on twice. Uh, And then the sinker was just under 30%, had three whiffs, and had 10 called strikes. 30% is a pretty solid number for for one individual start on a specific pitch. Uh, Again, when you're a full starter, that is. Uh, But, I mean, nothing comes close to how impressive the cutter was. I don't think the ball got put in play. Yeah, no. So he had 16 balls put in play and 14 foul balls on this game, right? Of all the foul balls, one of them was on the cutter. One of 14 was the cutter. And on the balls put in play, zero of the 16 were on the Tyler Alexander cutter. Did not have it result in a single ball put into fair territory. And only one foul, like I said. Really effective pitch. Really interested in seeing how he utilizes that going forward. Maybe they call it a little bit more. I'm not saying it has to completely just replace the sinker as his go-to pitch. That might be a little excessive off one start. But I I would like to see it probably more than the changeup. And I I love the changeup as a third option. You know, drop the – the what's the word I'm thinking of? Vertical drop, right? Why do I – I can't think of the word. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Change the elevation. Bingo, bango. Change the elevation uh, on the changeup and the speed. Make it drop a little bit. But I I would really like to see the cutter be, be utilized more. Maybe out of 73 pitches, raise that 15 to, to 20. Maybe even like 22, 23. I, I, just wa- I, I want to see how good this pitch can be and how effective it can be. Because today, it was literally unhittable, right? So really, really good stuff from Tyler Alexander. And I know the ending was a little bit of a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And ideally, you would have liked him to, to obviously, right, go six shutout. That would have been cool. But even with how it kind of ended there and he was he was giving up a lot more hard contact there by the end of the performance, d- doesn't change the fact that it was an incredibly effective perf- outing, an unbelievable performance. And at the end of the day, from your fifth, and then when Pineda comes back, your sixth starter, you will gladly take five and a third, two runs given up. Every day of the week, you're taking that from a dude at the back end of your rotation. Okay? Really effective outing. Average exit velocity for Alexander this game was just about 84 miles an hour. That's phenomenal, too. That's really low. Induced a ton of soft contact. Was getting his swings and misses as far as whiffs go. Um, for starters only, 
Scooble had nine. Tyler Alexander had eight. Those those are the two clubhouse leaders of your starters. Alex Lang has a lot, but we'll get to him when we talk about the bullpen because the bullpen was kind of a train wreck today, yesterday as you're listening to this. Uh, but he uh, one time through the rotation, Tyler Alexander, second most whiffs in the entire rotation. Really impressive stuff. Uh, very, very comfortable, and I think a lot more confident people are now uh, in his ability to be this team's fifth starter until Michael Pineda is ready. And then the question becomes, if he continues to be effective, what happens when Pineda comes back up, right? Does he immediately go into a long reliever role? Maybe do they do like a like a six-man rotation-esque thing? I don't think they go straight up with six, but maybe like every two times through the rotation they do six. But uh, And also, maybe you just let him be in the bullpen for the beginning part of the season because inevitably, one of your starters is going to get hurt. It's going to happen. And even more inevitably, guaranteed, Matt Manning is going to have an innings limit on him. Just like Mize and Scooble did last year. And we we don't want what happened last season where we get into the you know that July where we're going to limit Scooble and Mize. We're going to limit Manning this year. And then look around and go, oh, wait, we have no starting pitching depth. We really can't even afford to do this. And now we're, we're throwing out who even knows, right? So I, I think Tyler Alexander is going to get plenty of starts this year, even if he's not like a solidified in the rotation kind of a guy. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities, plenty of starts. Willie Peralta is another guy that's down in the minors. Will absolutely get some time at the major league level. Will absolutely log some starts. Was very effective last season. He's also just getting stretched out. Was a little bit late in the camp. So um, there's your starting pitching breakdown. Tyler Alexander, beautiful performance. The loss is not on him at all. Put us in a position to win. Was winning the game with him on the mound. Just didn't get it done. Uh, we'll talk about why. We just didn't get it done because there's several reasons. But first, got to talk about Built Bar. you got to try the Puffs, y'all. I've been talking to you all about it for, for a long time. You have to try the Puffs. If you're missing out, if you're missing out, you are missing out if you haven't tried them because they're one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. They, these are going to be your new favorite if they're not already. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. The Built Bars, the Puffs, everything. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. I mean, Built Bars are... 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Candy bars, you're talking about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, everybody. We are back here for segment two at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Now make... Locked on MLB prospects, 
one of your listens as well. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay. Do we want to talk about the bullpen or the offense? Let's talk about the offense. Let's do the offense first. Um, it was really rough outside of an inning. Simple as that. Uh, didn't even really make noise at the end of the games like we have been earlier this season. Uh, for the most part this year, it's been get dominated by the other team's starter. Then come back and, and make a little bit of a rally and make some noise off their bullpen. This game was very much the opposite, but not even really because we hit their starter, Rich Hill, by the way. What is he, 41, 42? Grunting like a tennis player after every throw and topping out at 88. Love the dude to death. Big Rich Hill fan. You want to talk about a funny players weekend uniform. Talked about Todd the Painter. His is a his is a classic. That, that's a hood classic. Um, so, but it, it was really one inning. It was what the third, I want to say. Yeah. The third inning, we got all three of our runs, put a great rally together in that inning. Spencer Torkelson finally got his first major league hit. We can all stop talking about this nonsense and he got his first hit. The, the app, couple at bats after that, um, back to being really passive. It wasn't going to be a, oh, he gets one hit and then he's just here and everything's going to be fine again. He's going to have to work up to it. But I'd imagine a ton of pressure is off of him now with that first hit out of the way. So we'll gladly take that. Um, again, man, like as far as the offense goes, it was it was just quiet. Like it, it, it was it, Rich Hill was pretty solid outside of the third inning. Obviously, that's the only reading we scored runs in. Like I said, uh, we, we weren't seeing him too terribly well. His curveball was working really well today. Uh, I, I mean, ev everything, man. It's so funny when they break down his like pitching repertoire. He has his normal curveball and then his slow curveball. It's hilarious to me because his curveball goes, you know, like 71, 72 miles an hour. But then he has this like. I'm going to slow down my mechanics and just really loft one up there. Curveball that goes like 66, 67 miles an hour. And I, I love that they like differentiate the two. Uh, regardless, didn't hit him very well. Weren't able to really ever get in a groove this entire game. We're, we're just never able to, to square him up. And, and even in the third, even when we were scoring, I mean, the Torkelson hit as awesome as it is that he finally has a hit, you know, by a, better right fielder probably can it was very catchable the expected batting average on that on his first major league hit was like 090 like probably should not have been a hit uh and i mean scopes blooper also like a like a whatever 60 mile 70 mile an hour exit velocity like all of the hits that inning were like 100 or lower expected batting averages like should not have been hits but baseball is baseball, and we lucked out, and that's awesome, uh, ex except Javi's. Javi, I think, hit the hardest Tigers ball of the year so far. It was like 110 off the bat. That ball was cranked. Um, so, yeah, just we're never really able to get in a groove offensively, and that's been a reoccurring theme all season. It's something that clearly needs to be addressed and be worked on. Uh, Robbie Grossman. Off to a really slow start this year. And then in a really wild play where it was clearly a hit and run. 
and he just never found the ball and just got doubled off. And apparently on that play, tweaked something. Now, I am recording this right after the game because I the Red Wings play after this. I also do Lockdown Red Wings. Then I have to do, record the Red Wings show after that. So this is going to be the only time I have to, to do this episode is immediately after the Tigers game. At the time of this recording, he's going in for testing. And they are talking about, uh, you know, he, he tweaked something. But Hinch admitted in the post game that they are afraid that he did a little bit more than just tweak something. So let's talk about the possibilities for what could happen if. Oh, I don't even want to say it. If Robbie Grossman were to go to the IL, that would obviously be another pretty big blow, even though he hasn't been off to a hot start. We, we all know what Robbie Grossman is. Okay, we, we all know that he's a very valuable asset to be at the top or anywhere in this lineup because he's going to work counts and draw a lot of walks. Without him, what's the roster move? Well, immediately you go, when is Derek Hill coming back? He's still got a few days left on the IL. I don't think he can come back today right away. If Robbie Grossman were to go on, I, I'm recording this on the 12th. Robbie Grossman were to go on the DIL, sorry, on the 12th. I don't think Derek Hill would be able to, to come off the IL right away. There would at least be a couple of game layover there. So, Daz Cameron seems like the obvious choice, right? Gives you another outfielder for outfield depth. Um, you could also just say, screw it. We're going to have Badu play center every day until Hill is healthy again. We have our corner outfield depth because Hasi can play left and we'll move Meadows to right or Victor Reyes can play any of those positions. And we're going to call up either an, another arm or, I mean, Cody Clemens has been off to a really hot start. Just go strictly bat and not really worry about it being a specific, you know, it has to be a center fielder. Willie Castro's obviously down there and was – the last person to, to not make the team out of spring. I'll be very interested in seeing whether they go, we need an outfielder that can play center field with this, which Robbie Grossman couldn't play center either, so you don't necessarily need it. But whether they go outfielder period, I guess I should say, or whether they go, we're just going to go for straight up whoever we think the best bat is that can help the team right away. I mean, Willie does have some experience in the outfield, albeit not that great. Um, and then Cody Clemens, obviously, strictly pretty much a second baseman only. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what uh, what develops out of that and what happens with that, assuming uh, that Grossman were to head to the IL. But fingers crossed that it is just a tweak, and maybe he only just sits out tomorrow, or maybe he's just totally fine in general. I don't know, but not looking great on that front either and is going to add and, and continue to, to pile on the injuries due early on for the Detroit Tigers season. Uh, we are going to get into the bullpen this game and how it was not very good. The offense was not very good and was one of the biggest reasons we lost. We only scored everything in one inning and Garrett Whitlock dominated us, just straight up dominated us at, for the last several innings. What he pitched the last three, seven, eight, nine absolutely dominated us um but the bullpen did not do any favors either 
just it sucks to lose those winnable games, man. We just let this one slip through. So we're going to get into the bullpen right after this. All right, everybody. We are back here for our third and final segment here at Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get you get your podcast. That's including YouTube, so check us out on YouTube. Okay. The bullpen. Not great. Let's talk about it. We went from Tyler Alexander to Jacob Barnes to Joe Jimenez to Alex Lang to Will Vest to Jason Foley. So burned through quite a bit of relievers here. We knew coming into the season. Everybody was – I just hit my mic. I'm sorry if that was loud. Everybody was aware going into the season that the bullpen depth was going to be a problem. Everybody knew because we were starting off the season without Kyle Funkhauser, without Andrew Chafin, without Jose Cisnero. I don't know why I have four fingers up. That's only three people. Right? Three of your best relievers immediately. Dunzo. Really sucks. Cisnero, uh, they officially announced he would not be going under surgery. Not be not his injury would not result in surgery. Goodness. But is still gonna stay on the 60 day. Obviously, he has to at this point. Uh Chafin has been throwing really well, and everybody says he feels really great, but they also said they're not gonna rush him at all. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Maybe one more stint on the IL because his, I think he's only two, one or two days away by the time you're listening to this from technically being eligible to come off the IL. I think he was retroactive on the fourth. Um, so we'll see what, how, how he's progressing and such. Uh, and then Funkhauser, I don't think anyone's heard anything on Kyle Funkhauser. Like he's still on the 10 day, but I, I haven't gotten a Funkhauser update in a minute. So I would expect that he's going to be take at least two, maybe even more likely three stints on the 10-day before he comes back. So this is going to be a problem early on. It's going to be. And I'll, I'll admit this. I don't mind Jacob Barnes. He has a cutter that was also really, really good and really effective pitch in this game. The problem was his four-seam fastball is straight as an arrow. Did not, does not move, not a very effective pitch. And, and having a two pitch mix where your only two pitches are really cutter and fastball, some, some opportunity for deception, but you probably need a third pitch in there. That's a really interesting and, and kind of weird two pitch combo when both of them sit at like, like the cutter is like 90 miles an hour, 89, 90 miles an hour. Not even. I, his cutter's like 80, 87, right? And then the four seam is a mid-90s. So, like, you, you do have some change of velocity there, but, like, a cutter is really a variation of a fastball. So, it's just kind of a weird thing to me to have that be your two-pitch mix. Um, regardless, the four seam was not effective at all, and Boston hit it all over the yard. Uh, average, at, well, there was only two balls put in play, and they were both smoked. The off the off the four seam. Um I and and people are like, oh, like, why are you going to Jacob Barnes in that situation? You don't have too many other options, dog. Like that's it it really is a thin bullpen, man. It really is. It it sucks, but it is. You're you're not going to Soto there. 
You're not going to Fulmer there. You went to Lang later in the game when it was tied. And we'll talk about how that worked out because it was not great. You you, you want to go to Lang later. Who who else who else is there to really go to? Usually that that's a prime Funkhauser situation. Prime. First dude out of the pen, still winning the ball game. Want to bring him in and shut down the inning. Prime Kyle Funkhauser situation last year. Or Jose Cisnero. You don't have those. Really, really sucks, man. But that's that's the reality that we're in. So you kind of had to go to to somebody. Well, obviously you had to go to somebody if you were pulling them. But you, you had to go to somebody that usually would not be put in this situation. You're going to need guys to step up. You're going to need guys to step up until uh, – I don't know what's going on with my hair there. I don't know. <laughs> it looks weird. I don't know. There's like a little bit sticking up. Um, you're going to have to go with dudes that aren't usually in that situation. That's what it comes down to. So Jacob Barnes gets the call out of the pen. Like it or not, that's what happened. Did not look great. Joe Jimenez came out after that, and he looked really solid. That's like some of the best I've seen Joe Jimenez look in a while, specifically the fastball. His fastball looked phenomenal. Consistent, 94 to 96. Did not dip lower than 94.5 miles an hour. Did not go above 96.1 miles an hour. Just consistent through it 13 times, all in that 95 range. Just pumping it out. Really, really effective. I thought the location, there was only one fastball. I remember that missed the glove by like a ton that he clearly just missed his spot on. Uh, so besides that one pitch, I thought he he spotted it pretty well. Uh, the slider was really effective for Joe Jimenez. Really, really effective. Um, and then the changeup, he only threw one time. But that 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 fastball-slider combo was what made him so effective in, in the first half of 2018. And what he built his whole reputation on coming up through the system. That was it. It was like, hey, this dude's got a got a really lively fastball and a really good slider to com- combat it and, and and to pair with it. And th- we saw it, it, it. He had a really good inning. The walk, the command got away from him a little bit. Besides the walk, I mean, the other three batters really didn't even stand a chance. It was a really, really solid inning. I was very impressed by Joe Jimenez. And if we want to win some games with how shallow this bullpen is, like we talked about, we're going to need dudes like Joe Jimenez to step up. We're also going to need dudes like Alex Lang to step up, and he certainly did not do that. Obviously, everybody who's listened to, to me for a while and has listened to me at all this season knows I'm a huge fan of Alex Lang. I think that he is a, a, an un, he has the potential to be unbelievable. His stuff is filthy. I believe he leads the team in whiffs this season, and he has pitched, what, two and a third, two and two-thirds innings, and I think he leads the entire team in, in whiffs this year. Really, really nasty stuff. Unreal swing and miss stuff. The problem is, and I have been open about this since I started singing the praises of him, is the command. And today, it was brutal. Brutal. Like, not even in the same area code. Not even in the same zip code. What's bigger, area code or zip code? Somebody will know that. Going to take a much bigger person than me. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. But... I mean, it was really bad. It was missing glove by, by I mean, at one point, feet. Like, was aiming low and outside and was hitting people, was aiming low and outside and, and was brushing people back and making people fall over. 
was aiming low and, and, and missing at eye level. I mean, it was truly all over the place. Uh, he didn't even throw a called strike the entire outing. He did not throw a called strike. He induced two swings and misses in 15 pitches. Did not receive a single called strike the entire outing. Three foul balls, two balls in play, two whiffs, seven swings, zero called strikes. Certainly not great. Uh, and, and like, so you look at, you know, some of the underlying numbers, you're like, wow, the four seam fastball, he threw it six times. It didn't get put in play one time. Well, that's because he didn't throw it for a strike literally one time. <laughs> it got fouled off twice and, and, and the other four pitches weren't put in play. None of them were strikes though. None of them were really even close to strikes. It was just not his day. The command was really all over the place. I will say, though, that there, there tends to be a big overreaction when, when a reliever has a bad outing. It's one bad outing. If you remove, well, you, you can't play the if you remove game. But go, leading up to today, I'll word it that way so that it's more acceptable. Leading up to today, right, he had been really effective this season. Really effective. And I think he will be a really effective pitcher for this team. And I think that he has the potential to be a really effective reliever for a very long time, in all honesty. Uh, but he's going to have outings like this, and he's going to be put in high leverage situations, and he's going to walk people. It's going to happen. So as long as you realize that going into every Alex Lang start and realize that this is going to be his first full season in the majors, like a lot of people on this team, by the way, just, just take, take him as he is right now. Look for the signs of development. Look where the catcher's setting up. Look where he, he's trying, you know, situationally. Pay attention to, to the count and, and where you think the ball should go and, and, and in what pitch you should throw in which count and all that. Look for his development because the dude's ceiling, as we love to say here, is through the roof, right? Uh, Will Vest came in in a mop-up role. I didn't think he looked that bad. The one pitch, obviously, that got cranked down the left field line to to blow the game open. Um, I mean, we only lost by two, but but to lose the lead was obviously not a very good pitch and caught way too much of the plate. But I mean, what are you gonna do? Like he came in in a mop up role. There were already runners on base. That's a really tough situation for any reliever to be put in. Nonetheless, a dude that has half a year of major league experience was a Rule Five pick last year, so. For for the situation he was put in, I didn't mind it. I thought the slider actually looked really good. Again, outside of the the, the he the slider was put in play once for Will Vest. He threw it five times, was put in play once, and that ball was cranked and 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 gave up a run. However, I uh I I thought it was a, a pretty effective pitch, and I I really like the shape of his slider. I think it's I think it's shaped really well. So. Whatever. I, I'm not gonna get too riled up over over Will Vest's performance. That's just really not a fun situation to be put in. Um and, and again, it's just highlighting how shallow and, and lack how much this bullpen lacks depth at this point in the season. And it's very prominent. Last person, Jason Foley. Uh look, I'll I'll be completely honest. I have not been very impressed with Foley so far this season. Um, it's a small sample size, just like I say with all the all of 
a lot of the other players that are struggling and, and a lot of hitters. Um, but the thing that makes me more concerned with him than anybody else is that like his stuff just doesn't look major league ready. Like it's just a stuff thing. And like you, you can develop command, you can develop stuff too, but it's hard to develop stuff when you're going out there twice a week and giving up a ton of hard contact and giving up a lot of runs. Um, I, I and, and like his underlying numbers aren't horrible. Like the, it wasn't that bad of an outing for Foley, to be honest with you. But it, it's just one of those things when you when you watch the the stuff that he's throwing out there. I, I, I'm just I'm not a hundred percent sure that that it is that great or has the potential to be that effective. That's all. And, and again, it's something that can be developed and maybe he goes down to AAA and works on the shape of stuff, maybe tries some new grips, et cetera, and, and can come back. But last year, I remember being a lot more uh, impressed, I guess is the word, with the stuff that he was showcasing than I have so far this year. So he's going to be someone to keep an eye on for um, for maybe an early candidate to, to go down to AAA and maybe at the expense of a Willie Peralta or Michael Pineda when he's ready. Okay, I think that will do it. I think that's everything I wanted to cover. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB, post Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. Brings you his unique perspective on the majors, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I know yesterday there was a couple of spots where the audio got a little weird. Um, I don't I don't know what that was all about. Everything on my end was great. Maybe it was a YouTube thing. Not really sure. Uh, but hopefully this episode's a little bit better. And yeah, you guys are the best for real. The support so far this season has been uh, has been unbelievable. All of our numbers are fantastic. They keep going up. It's gonna be a really really fun year. Um, I, I just the community that Locked On Tigers have is has is awesome. Maybe we create like a locked on tigers, like that one of those Twitter community things. I don't really know what I'm doing with those. I'm not I'm not in any. Because I'm kind of scared of like new things. But maybe we'll see. Maybe I'll I'll mess with some stuff. We can do some Twitter spaces too. We're gonna have a really fun year. It's gonna be a really fun year. And I can't wait to interact with with I've already interacted with so many of you and and do interact with a lot of you on I mean nearly a daily basis, right? Like it's it's a it's a crazy thing technology and the internet is um okay that's it peace and love going to therapy's dope oh one more thing really quickly I i've gotten some comments on the backdrop i got right this picture right here is kirk gibson after he hit the home run with his arms in the air right in 84 this is a lion's banner that i really like uh, and like that's it that's all i have right now i have more stuff that I'm, it's it's a work in progress. It's not like, hey, I'm locked on Tigers. Here's just like one thing of the Lions, and that's it. There is a Tigers picture here. I know it's it's at the angle it's at. Maybe it's hard to tell what it is, but that's Kurt Gibson celebrating the homer in '84. And then we have that. I, I have a lot more Tiger stuff that I'm currently working on adding to this wall. I have Pistons stuff. I have a Pistons flag somewhere. I have a ton of Red Wings stuff. Obviously, I I, I host Locked On Red Wings too. Uh, I I just want like an entire detroit sports like mayhem going on back there so i i know that you're like i've got a lot of questions about like hey maybe like lose the lions thing i i it's a work in progress and the end result will just be all detroit sports okay i i'm trying to get a frame 
for this. I just got this in the mail a couple of days ago. Trying to trying to get a frame for that, and this will be up here somewhere as well. It's going to be super cool when it's uh, – I got a game plan. Okay, I got a game plan. Just wanted to point that out. Okay, we are way over time. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I will catch you all tomorrow, hopefully recapping a Tiger Series victory over the Boston Red Sox. Go Tigers, baby.